0: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that, opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised.
1: On this special episode of The Court TV Podcast, we're going to focus on Bill Cosby's sexual assault conviction being overturned. What prompted this reversal of fortune for the man once called america's dad court tv anchor julie grant joins me to dig into the law behind the decision and what
0: it means for sexual assault victims going forward this is the court tv podcast with Vinny politan
1: i'm Vinny politan thanks so much for downloading the court tv podcast and this is actually a special edition of the court tv podcast originally you know you've got america's birthday coming up and we were going to do an encore presentation but what we decided to do with the big breaking news involving Bill Cosby there are so many questions that we need to address that we did a special uh, program just on this shocking decision by the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania and we are releasing it early so let's start here with the headline right and and you know I think everyone was kind of blindsided by this a little bit that the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania vacated, discharged, and set free Bill Cosby. Unbelievable. I mean, it is rare. Let me just tell you, it is extremely rare in criminal cases for someone to win an appeal, right? So first you have to win the appeal, and usually when you win an appeal, the only thing you get is a brand new trial, right? And and there's some adjustment, maybe a little less evidence or, or there's some change or a different instruction to the jury. But generally speaking, criminal defendants, if they get that conviction overturned, they're back in court for a brand new trial. Not in this case. There will be no additional new trial He's been set free. And let me tell you, by the time the ink was dry on the Supreme Court's opinion setting him free, he literally was free. It's absolutely amazing, amazing that this has happened so quickly. So uh, what we want to do on this podcast is address, first of all, how we got here. How did how did we go from Bill Cosby, convicted sex offender, to Bill Cosby um, now all of a sudden free? And, and his his conviction overturned. Well, we've got a special guest joining us uh, to help us with all of this. Uh, Julie Grant court TV anchor. She also has covered this case extensively being inside the courtroom, listening to the testimony and has spoken to the people involved and has um, read every paper filed in this thing. So, Um, And we call her the professor at Court TV as well, because she literally is a law professor as well. I want, first of all, your reaction. Was it was it shock? Were you thinking this was possible? What when you heard the news and it it came across the wires that that Bill Cosby has been set free by the Supreme Court? Uh, What were your thoughts?
2: I was stunned stunned and truly sickened as someone who sat in that courtroom for his first trial heard all of the evidence that was quite frankly despicable. I mean, just despicable, appalling, disgusting, sexually assaultive behavior. And, And so not only was I shocked at that decision, but also in reading the decision, we know that there were two issues that the court was potentially going to be taking up, right? Because the defense filed that appeal based on two different grounds. And they didn't even address the one that most of us, I think, who were closely watching this case thought they would. And that was with the disparity in the numbers of the prior bad act witnesses. One in the first trial versus five in the second. I thought for sure that's where the court might have a sticking point. But here, I I was so blindsided by this and, and really, really and truly stunned that the remedy the court arrived at saying that, That prosecution agreement was a good deal. It should have never uh, gotten to the point of a prosecution. And to say that any further prosecution is barred is, is shocking and understandably very upsetting for not just Andrea Constand, the victim on that case in Pennsylvania, but so many other accusers, Vinnie, at the time who were watching this trial, cheering her on, standing in solidarity with her and almost living vicariously through her, trying to seek justice.
1: So let's do this, because um, this is fascinating, because you look at this, they overturn a conviction and they set someone free. And in the world of law, uh, on Court TV, we deal with, with, with two concepts, you know, the facts of the case and the law of the case. And what I find fascinating about the way this whole thing has transpired is that none of the facts have changed here. The facts are all still the same. There was no new evidence that came aboard. There was uh, nothing uncovered um, by, the, by the Supreme Court or by the defense attorneys. There was nothing. No facts changed. This was a legal decision, a legal decision made uh, by the court. So to me, what that means and what that tells me is this is not an exoneration of of Bill Cosby. Um yes, he's been set free. Yes, the the convictions overturned, but he hasn't been exonerated. This isn't like the typical case where we see, "Oh, they found some DNA" and it matches somebody else. An innocent person was in prison. We need to set him free now. Exactly, Vinny. That's not the case here. This is based on the law. So explain to us legally how the Supreme Court got to the point that they did in releasing and setting Bill Cosby free.
2: Sure. So they decided to look at really only one of the two issues, because they said, if we get through this first issue in our analysis, then the second one with the prior by act witnesses becomes moot and we won't even address it. So they started with this issue of the non-prosecution agreement. So back in 2004, Bill Cosby sexually assaulted Andrea Constant at his home in Montgomery County. And she reported this incident in 2005. And the DA at the time, Bruce Castor, said that after evaluating the evidence, taking into consideration various things going on, the fact that there was some delayed reporting and other things, he said, he declined to prosecute Bill Cosby. And he said it publicly, Vinny, he he didn't seek out a formal immunity agreement from the court, which he could have, where where the court would have been essentially signing off and saying, you know, this is a legal document saying that he is not to be prosecuted. He's been given immunity, but that didn't happen. It It was a public promise. And at the same time, Andrea Constian had sued him civilly for the sexually assaulted behavior the same incident. And Bill Castor's, uh, Bruce Castor, excuse me, his line of thinking was that if we remove this threat of criminal prosecution, then Bill Cosby would go through with giving civil depositions. He wouldn't have any reason to invoke his Fifth Amendment privilege because there's no longer a question of whether he'll be dragged into criminal court. So Bill Cosby relied on that promise that he wouldn't be prosecuted. He relied on it to his detriment and he spoke in those civil depositions about obtaining quaaludes from his doctor with the intent of using them to have sex with women. And so the very damaging statements that he made in that civil deposition were then used years later. Fast forward to December of 2015 when a new DA is in office. His name's Kevin Steele. He's still there in Montgomery County. And he was of the opinion, as were many attorneys in that office, that the evidence always existed. To your point, Vinnie, no evidence changed, that the evidence was always there, that she was a credible survivor of sexual assault. And he wanted to move forward. So he filed three counts of aggravated indecent assault um against bill cosby and there were two trials that took place and in both of those trials the civil deposition testimony was introduced against him we always talk about on court tv those admissions by a party opponent admissions by a defendant they always come in so that's what happened here and more of them were used in the second trial the first trial as we know resulted in a hung jury the second trial resulted in a criminal conviction on all three counts so the court arrived at the decision that He wasn't afforded due process of law, that his constitutional rights were violated because a deal was a deal, essentially. And when you're a prosecutor, your word is your bond. And he was promised by one prosecutor that he wouldn't be prosecuted and gave up his Fifth Amendment privilege, essentially. And then that evidence obtained was used against him. So it was a constitutional violation, ultimately, that the court found, Vinny.
1: They said it was fundamentally unfair it was bait and switch mm-hmm. is what the uh, prosecutors engaged in and you know in that analysis and i understand the analysis i think most people understand it you know there's some nuance in exactly what the original prosecutor did and 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 how he promised it um, but i think that the supreme court was very um upset with the fact that Bill Cosby was somehow induced to take part in that civil case, where there was a three point four million dollar settlement, eventually correct? Right, you're absolutely right. I think right. that was that was the mm-hmm. amount, and they felt like it's just not fair. You 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 can't do that. So it's fundamentally unfair to to Bill Cosby. Okay, so it's a legal decision. the The Supreme Court did not come back and say he didn't do it. Right. They didn't say. There's new evidence that shows that someone else did it, or there's new evidence shows that uh, the victim lied on the witness stand. No. None of that. This is this is a legal basis. Now it's a, a constitutional basis as well, which is important. Certainly. But 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 it's an important distinction between the facts and the law, and yes. they both have equal power. Like the facts change, it can change a verdict. And if and if there's a, a finding of, of a violation of the law of, of a constitutional right, then of course uh, a, a, a verdict can be changed. I want you to take a listen to um, there was a, once he was freed, which was so quick. I mean, he was, he, I mean, no wow. prisoner in the history of right. mankind has gotten out this right. quick.
2: He had to have had a heads so the, up. I'm telling you, there's, they had to have had some heads up there that that was
1: happening. They, they had to. So there's a little impromptu kind of press conference. And I want to listen to uh, what his uh, spokesperson was saying here. Let's take a listen.
0: You know, what we saw today was justice, justice for all Americans. Mr. Cosby, conviction being overturned is for the world and all Americans who are being treated unfairly by the judicial system and some
2: bad officers because all, all officers are not bad. So we want to thank this entire team. We want to thank Mrs. Cosby, her family. I want to thank my family and just thank you all for those
0: who decided to tell the truth and allowed us to tell the truth when we had the opportunity. Thank
2: you.
1: I didn't quite understand how he's referencing officers here. Is he trying to make Bill Cosby into like a George Floyd type of of, of victim of all of this?
2: Absolutely zero sense. I'm so glad you picked up on that. Of course you would pick up on it. Yes, it it made no sense. And and to me, you know, to say it's justice for all Americans. I I mean, I'm sitting here listening to that, just shaking my head. And I'm so glad you made the point earlier about This wasn't like this was overturned because of a lack of evidence. The evidence was there. As someone who sat in that courtroom and watched Andrea Constant testify, she is a believable, credible survivor of sexual assault. And in no way does this decision invalidate what happened to her or what happened to any other accusers or victims of, of sexually assaultive behavior. And so in hearing that, I mean, it was just like this wasn't some issue with police and officers and some. I mean, this is this is a classic case of sexual assault where a victim is petrified to come forward, made you know, to feel shame and feel all sorts of feelings like they shouldn't feel. Uh, they're deprived of their courage to tell people they love about what happened to them. Um, and it's because they're victimized and traumatized and And again, and this is by the the most powerful man, arguably, in America at the time. And he was in his heyday when this happened, 2004, Vinny. My gosh, who was more beloved than Bill Cosby then?
1: Yeah, yeah, you, you know. You talk about credibility. He like oozed credibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, people would have him on to talk about anything and you would say, wow, did you hear what Bill Cosby uh, had to say? And, and, but that was many years ago at this point, he tweeted, he did tweet. Let me, let me read what the tweet is. I have never, this is Bill Cosby. I've never changed my stance nor my story. I've always maintained my innocence. Thank you. To all my fans, supporters, and friends who stood by me through this ordeal, special thanks to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for upholding the rule of law. Hashtag Bill Cosby. Now, two things here. Um, One is I've maintained my innocence. Now, right, since you're not convicted, you're presumed innocent. Um, But this, again, was not a finding of innocence Correct. by the Supreme Court. Correct. But the second part of what he says is right is the Supreme Court upholding the rule of law because this was a ruling based on the law and the interpretation of the law by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. I'm wondering um where do you think Bill Cosby goes next with all of this, right? Does he become a new spokesperson and a face in 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 the world of of criminal justice reform and and the rights of, of inmates and the accused, et cetera. Does he go quietly away? Um, or does he go back into the world attempt to get back into the world of entertainment? Um I, I'm wondering, what do you think the, the next step is? I mean, he's clearly in his golden years here, but right. um seems to perhaps want to do something. Oh,
2: he seems to, and Vinny, I think it would be in his best interest to just be quiet, live a quiet, peaceful, very private life. because I am sure, and we're going to be hearing more and more about it in the coming days and weeks and months. I am sure many sexual assault survivors are angry at this and as they should be, because he is in no way a victim. He is in no way, shape or form somebody who is wronged by our criminal justice system. I mean, he is a predator who preyed on women. And Andrea Constan was the last case, the last glimmer of hope for all of those women who accused him of sexually assaulting them because her case was the last one closest in time that just squeaked by, and I'm telling you squeaked by Vinny, within the statute of limitations. It was almost up when it was filed. And, and Kevin Steele, the DA who filed, I mean, he was in the office at the time this all came in. So this is somebody who always believed that Andrea Constance should have been believed. And and I think it really goes back to why strike up that non-prosecution agreement in the first place? Thank goodness we are in a different age now where it seems that survivors have a better chance of being believed because nothing changed from, from then and now. There was no new DNA evidence, no new witnesses, nothing like that. The same survivor telling the same story. And I would hope Bill Cosby doesn't try to use this, you know, botched move by a former prosecutor as a way to try to somehow position himself as a victim who should get sympathy, um, because I I think he should get no one's attention at this point.
1: Yeah, I I think he may attempt to do that. It'll be uh, fascinating to watch and we will obviously keep an eye on that. Now, let's get back to the decision by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Because the, the second part of it, right, you, you you vacate the conviction, overturn it is one thing, but then barring any future prosecution was probably the most shocking part of all of this. Was there any other way that the Supreme Court could have overturned this conviction and, and not been as draconian? The
2: answer to that lies in the concurring dissenting opinion. So here's here's what they say. They say that there was a violation of Bill Cosby's constitutional rights, that his due process rights were violated, but it didn't occur at the point in time that the majority says it occurred. It occurred at trial when that civil deposition testimony was introduced by the prosecution because it was the state who essentially caused that evidence to come into existence by making that promise not to prosecute and then taking that testimony he gave, believing there was no chance he could be dragged into criminal court, and then using those statements in criminal court. And the concurring concurring dissenting opinion says, look, the remedy isn't no prosecution, It's just suppress the depot testimony. And Vinny, I am so with this opinion. I I would love to hear if you are too, because I think, you know, it's like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's just not use that, that testimony. And really, the state only needed it for count number three. They didn't even need it for counts one and two. And really, this could have been done with one count.
1: So in other words, instead of barring any future prosecution, allow prosecutors to retry the case. But you can't. Use the evidence from the deposition that Bill Cosby gave as a result of relying upon the promise not to prosecute. Makes some sense to me. Exactly. But they went all the way. All right, when we come back, what I want you to do, Julie Grant, because you were in the courtroom, you got to hear this. Now, Pennsylvania is one of those states that I know you're from Pennsylvania, but I don't like Pennsylvania, Julie, because they don't like cameras.
2: I know They don't like cameras and microphones
1: inside the courtroom during trials. But Mm -hmm. you were there, and I want you to let the folks who are listening to this, as as we tie this up, uh, know exactly what the allegations were and what some of the testimony and evidence was in this case. So we don't just kind of— blow it off and say oh yeah bill cosby yeah it was a bad yeah no no this was a real case uh, with a real victim testifying and you'll hear what she had to say when we come back
0: follow court tv live over the air uninterrupted if you're watching television with an antenna just rescan your channels now to add court tv and go to courttv.com to see the exact channel position and more ways to watch court tv in your area The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that. Opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. This was an unwanted three-year vacation that Mr. Cosby never asked
1: for. But in
0: hindsight, we're happy that he got it because he was able to pull the covers off of the corruption in Montgomery County with the crooked DA, with the crooked judge, Stealing
1: O'Neal. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Bill Cosby set free. And then afterwards, pointing the finger, a crooked DA, a crooked judge in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. OK, so there were two trials here. And the, the, the accuser, the victim, Andrea Constant, had to testify. And it was a big part of the case. Julie Grant was inside the courtroom. No cameras, no microphones. So, so Julie, give us an idea. Of of what this testimony was like, what this evidence was like, what this jury heard, because ultimately that second jury believed her beyond any and all reasonable doubt.
2: You're absolutely right, Vinny, as as they should have, in my opinion. And I brought with me today to come on your podcast show the notes that I took during the first trial when I was sitting in the courtroom reporting on the case. I, I typed up pages upon pages of notes on Andrea Constance testimony. And I can remember it was like you could hear a pin drop when she walked into the courtroom. I mean, just complete silence. She was very composed, came off very matter of fact, came off very believable, very authentic, didn't come off as dramatic, didn't come off as exaggerating, just came off as being very truthful. And she would concede if she was mistaken about something and she was very descriptive. And when I when I went back looking at this, when I found out I was going to come on the podcast and talk with you about this, it reminded me of some other things that were just so disgusting that and I had forgotten about from. I mean, this happened in 2017, spring of 2017, and I, I have some quotes from her. And when she talks about him, she she described him to the jury as being a father figure, somebody who was a mentor to him that she trusted greatly and she was at temple and she was she was heading up the, the women's basketball program there and that's how she got to know bill cosby because at the time he was revered at temple university revered in philadelphia i mean he was not only the man in america but especially the man there and she felt really special that you know he paid attention to her and in such a way that it was like a mentorship. She saw him as an older figure in her life, kind of like a dad-like figure that she really, really valued his opinion and they would have long talks and things. And when this incident happened, it was in sometime around the beginning of 2004. And she had gone to his home to talk about her career. She was very stressed. And she said that at one point in the conversation, he went upstairs, came back down to the kitchen and had three blue pills. And he said, put them down, they're your friends they'll take the edge off. And she said, I, I, are these herbal? And he said, yes, they're herbal. And she said, okay, I, I trust you. I'm going to take the pills. And so she swallowed them. And she said, shortly after she was seeing double, her mouth felt like cotton. She didn't even have the strength to walk from the kitchen table to the couch. And this is a very athletic woman and didn't even have that strength and she was panicking but said that she couldn't leave she knew she wouldn't be able to drive and he encouraged her to lay down on the couch and um that was when uh, she said that she was jolted awake feeling Bill Cosby groping her breasts underneath her shirt feeling his hand inside of her vagina moving in and out she felt him take her hand place it on his penis and move it back and forth And all while this was going on, she said, I wasn't able to tell him to stop or push him away. And I'm going to quote her directly here. She said, quote, in my head, I was trying to get my hands to move or my legs to move, but I was frozen. And those messages didn't get there. I was very limp. I wasn't able to fight him in any way. I wanted it to stop. And she was looking so sad, giving that testimony, fighting back tears And since she ultimately felt humiliated and very confused that somebody she trusted so much would do this to her and what became even more sickening Vinny, when I was reviewing these notes, I I forgot about something really, really atrocious that happened after the fact when she said he was always hard to get a hold of. It was hard to get him on the phone. But finally, when she did, there was a time where they met up um, to speak and she asked him what he gave her at his house. And his reply was, I thought you had an orgasm, didn't you? And she was extremely upset. He would not say what he gave her. She felt like it was so disturbing and it was such a big burden on her. She said she didn't have the courage to even tell her family at the time. She was so petrified and so upset. And she had gone back to Canada where she's from. And then finally in mid-January in the following year, she was having such bad nightmares. She confided in, in her mother and told her that Bill Cosby had sexually violated her, gave her three blue pills. She didn't consent to it and just could not take holding in that awful secret anymore and so that was when uh, her mother then got a hold of Bill Cosby the three of them were on the phone and at one point it was the same thing they were confronting him about it and at that time he did apologize to her and her mother but then in the same phone call Vinny he said to her mother well he thought that Andrea had had an orgasm like as if that makes it okay I mean, this is the stuff that I wish every American could have been in that courtroom and have heard this disgusting testimony. Not only was she assaulted sexually and violated and, and all of this, and then but made to feel shame, made to feel petrified, and then to have it minimized by him, to have him gaslight her and make it seem like she enjoyed this. Just truly, truly disgusting.
1: You know, as as you talk about what you witnessed, it... Paints such a vivid picture, but I think you're right, you know, because there weren't cameras and there weren't microphones inside that courtroom and there was a limited number of people who got to witness this. um, That gives a, a, someone like Bill Cosby such an advantage in rewriting the history of what this whole thing is about.
2: Exactly, Vinnie.
1: it it ends up being about a wrongfully convicted man now because that's that's all you're going to see in here mm-hmm. that's that's what you're going to see in here that's going to be um i i think what the 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 headline will be coming from him and and you know anytime he speaks people will listen anytime he tweets um anytime he addresses it we'll hear his side and i i you know i'm sure she'll speak here and there but it's not going to have the same it's not going to have the same impact as if People got to actually see and hear the evidence in the case and and make a decision right i mean to to me yeah I work at court TV. I understand I understand that it built in conflict of interest that I want cameras and microphones in every courtroom, but there's but there's more to it, it it's it goes beyond that. It goes beyond um, having these are our courtrooms, these are our issues, and we as a society decide what behavior is appropriate, what's inappropriate, what should be punished, what should not be punished, and what the truth is. And when things kind of get hidden, it, it, you can get they can get distorted. It can get really, really distorted. You're and I'm glad that, right. that you took those notes and painted that picture for us because it's an image I'm not going to forget. Mm-hmm. And and I, I was in the same ballpark as everyone else. I wasn't in there for the for the trial. I didn't I didn't get to see it. I got to see him walk in and out of the courtroom. And you know, whatever whatever happened in that. That's all I got mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a difference. So um what do you think becomes the long lasting impact of everything that happened here. Right. Because wow. this was, this was the first trial, right. After this is probably the first big, big trial after the me too movement, yes. you know, really, really took off. Exactly. Right. So this is, so this is like a gut punch to a certain extent. Um, but, but does this, does this help or hurt future accusers and victims? You know, are people mm, will, will people question. who are victimized mm-hmm. be less likely to come forward because they see some outcome like this?
2: I pray not, Vinny. I pray not. And I think that, that's such a great question. Um, one thing to keep in mind, I, I I bet if if this case came in today and if Bruce Castor was the DA today, um, knowing everything we've seen, all the progress we've made through movements like Me Too, and just Um, through other social justice movements, I I really feel like there wouldn't have been that promise not to prosecute him. Uh, Me Too was a powerful thing for our nation. Thank goodness for that. And I remember when the first trial happened, me Too hadn't occurred just yet. It was like the first case where it was happening without the official hashtag. And there were 62 other women at the time besides Andrea Constant who were pointing the finger at him saying this same thing happened to me. And then you know, after I mean that that case resulted in a, in a hung jury we saw the the downfall of so many other famous people: Harvey Weinstein, Charlie Rose, Matt Lauer. I mean, so many different R. Kelly. I mean, you name it. We we still are seeing this with Ghislaine Maxwell. Her case pending. R. Kelly's case is still pending. I mean, so many people felt empowered, and I hope that the result will be more empowerment. I hope that it will be a better dialogue because this is a tough topic to breach. It is very hard to talk about for anyone who's experienced it because they feel shame and they shouldn't they feel like no one will believe them and they shouldn't feel that way. And this is a classic example. I mean, this tells me Vinny that Andrea constant wasn't believed the first time and she should have been, there was no reason she shouldn't have been believed back then. And I think his power, his influence, his money had everything to do with, I think they were terrified to go after a guy like that. Absolutely. But now it's a different story now, my goodness. I, I mean, I think it's the landscape has changed. And, and I hope that what we will see is more victims rights advocates rallying together, making sure the world knows, hey, this is in no way an exoneration of him. Uh, but but this is all the more reason that victims have to be believed and prosecutions have to commence when the evidence is there.
1: Well, let me ask you this, though. When she makes the first complaint in 2005, mm-hmm. if Castor had gone forward. You know, the world was different.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. right.
1: And you didn't have the deposition testimony. You had none of that. Do you think he could have proven this case to a jury? Right. You think at that point, yes. back in you know 2005, do you think America's dad would do you think he had an opportunity to convince 12 people beyond a reasonable doubt? or do you think his assessment was correct back in that time that if i bring this yeah i don't have a shot cha- i don't have a chance
2: he absolutely could have proven this case because her testimony was enough it was always enough. He didn't need DNA. He didn't need the civil deposition. He didn't need other witnesses. And when you think about sexual predators, they do it behind closed doors. So they have plausible deniability. This is a classic sex assault case to put a victim in a position to have a he said, she said situation. And yes, and and I will to elaborate on that too, for all of our Court TV podcast listeners who love the law, the only thing I would say is, is a caveat to that is the charging would have been slightly different. They went forward with three counts against him in 2015, all for aggravated indecent assault. One was basically saying it was done without her consent. This case could have been one and done right there. That one charge was enough because you don't get an enhanced penalty in Pennsylvania when you've got all three. It, they all merge for sentencing purposes. So counts two and three really didn't matter for giving him more prison time. The second one was when she was unconscious and, and really she wasn't. So I never agreed with count two of any ever. I, I thought it was always poorly charged from the first time they brought it. And then the third count was that Cosby impaired her power to consent by administering an intoxicant. And I never agreed with that either because they could never prove what he gave her, three blue pills, and they were trying to use that depot to prove that they were Quaaludes. So to me, he should have gone forward it with it with one count, um, title 18, Section 3125A1 would be the subsection that Cosby did penetrate the genitals of Andrea Constand with a part of his body without Andrea Constand's consent.
1: Do you think, though, and, and this, again, this is a very speculative mm-hmm. question because we, we, it was a different world in 2005. Right. It's pre-Me Too, and it's also before all the other accusers come out against Bill Cosby, right? So it's just this one woman against America's dad in a courtroom, do, do, how, do you, how do you see that? How would that have played out, right? Because it's, it's different. If there's sure. 40 women who've come out and there's, and there's other uh, prior bad act witnesses who testify, but if it was just her testifying and maybe just him testifying, do you think a, a 2005 jury would come to that same conclusion that the jury did in the second trial?
2: That's a great question because I, I appreciate your point. It is a totally different cell in the Me Too era that we're in. And thank goodness for that. However, I will say this I think if it was tried properly to paint the picture to the jury that the man you love, and probably the man that you and I love too, Benny, like loved, loved, passed you know, when I was a kid, I mean, I I wanted to become a lawyer because of, you know, Claire Huxtable. I really, that's the truth. I remember saying to my mother, you know, gosh, we don't know any women who are lawyers. And I remember her saying, well, Claire Huxtable's a lawyer, Julie, you can do that when you grow up because she knew that was my favorite show. And I think if you paint that picture to the jury that look, this guy you love is not who he really is. He's an actor. Yes, we've all loved him too, watching him growing up and enjoying his performances on the Cosby show, doing stand-up comedy. He's a tremendous talent, but behind closed doors, he is a predator, and we're going to explain to you why. And I, I really thought in this last trial, the prosecutors should have done more of that, and they did an admirable job. Believe me, they did an outstanding job. The advocacy was tremendous, and You know, as trial advocates, we all see things differently. It's an art, not an exact science. But what I really wanted was for them to kind of talk about the big pink elephant in the room that this is a guy that probably everybody in that courtroom at one point really loved and admired, but they didn't know the real him. They admired his character that he played on TV. And I think if they were able to also support her testimony with some prior bad act testimony to provide some corroboration under the rules of evidence, as, as they did, and Maybe it would have empowered those victims to come forward sooner than than when they did. Um, perhaps we still would have seen a conviction. But, you know, I think if the jury would have followed the law and the advocacy would have been precise and, you know, really pulled the curtain down with Bill Cosby, you know, I, I think they could have won it. I really do.
1: I just have to um, point out one thing that you got incorrect. <laughs> I was not a child when the Cosby show
2: was so Sure you were. Sure you were. You're young, I man. was you're already
1: grown up. Uh, I'm older than Julie Grant, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. Julie Grant, thank you so much. Uh, we, we, we couldn't you, have done friend. this story, this you're podcast, without your, your insight. Uh, Julie Grant, CORE TV anchor, watcher every day on Court TV from 12 to 3, folks. All right, when we come back, I will answer the question I have to answer at the end of a big decision like this. Was justice served?
0: My verdict when we return. Renowned journalist Ashley Banfield takes you behind the scenes of the most compelling cases in history.
2: This is the new chapter in True Crime.
0: Judgment with Ashley Banfield. All new episodes, Sunday nights at 8 on Court TV.
1: Okay. So was justice served? All right. Bill Cosby is free. His conviction overturned by the Supreme court of Pennsylvania. My answer is no. And, and, and it's no on several different levels and, and interesting different levels as well. And, and it's like on across the board, justice is not served. And I say this because I equate uh, justice with the truth, right? And uh, truth and then accountability. So in this case, uh, what is the truth, right? Well, the, the, the original, well, the jury who found him guilty found the truth, right? They listened to the testimony. They believed the accuser. They believed the other evidence. And they, they came to a verdict. So at that point, you've got your truth. The, the jury speaks the truth at the end of the case, but now this case has been taken out of their hands. We're no longer talking about a jury decision, despite the fact that they made a decision, that they made a judgment based upon credibility and evidence and burdens of proof and everything else. They did everything a jury is supposed to do and 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 came to that conclusion that Bill Cosby sexually assaulted Andrea Constand. And then our system took over from there with the punishment and accountability that comes with that. But... That judgment has been vacated, so so we don't have the jury speaking. So while we know what they said, we don't know what has been found here, and and no one is being held responsible for conduct, okay? So you can't have justice under those circumstances. Now there's another reason, and and it's a very different reason, but it's like you flip the coin over, right? You flip it over and you say, well, According to the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, there never should have been a trial. This man never should have been tried. This man never should have been convicted. There was a violation of his constitutional rights. And that's real. That's absolutely real. We can't compromise that. We can't bend the Constitution. No, we follow it. We follow the Constitution. That is it. That is our system of justice. That's the entire basis. Is in that document. So you look at this from the other side, in our system of justice, we don't want people who were illegally convicted should not have been tried, should not have been convicted. We don't want them serving time behind bars. So you look at it from the one end, uh, from uh, the accuser victim in the case, Andrea Constand, there's no justice. You look at it from Bill Cosby's perspective, there is no justice. So this is one of those... Very unusual cases where both sides just leave with a bad taste, with a bad, bad taste, and, and, and you and you think about what happened here, what a mess that was created, and how justice was not served. It wasn't served for the victim, it wasn't served for the defendant, and ultimately it's not served for the public. And it's because mistakes were made. Big-time mistakes were made. Now, the the, the key, though, to... Looking at this with a little bit of a half full perspective is that the Supreme Court made the ruling that they made. Okay. And I'm not saying that I believe Bill Cosby is innocent. I'm not saying I believe Bill Cosby should be a free man. I'm not saying that what Andrea Constance said was not true. But what I'm saying is the case went through the rigor of our judicial system and and applying all of the constitutional standards to it, and then a judgment was made by the Supreme Court. And to be fair, I look at it, it's, it's, it's the right call, because there was this agreement. Now, should the agreement have been made? No. There should have been a different way to handle all of it. But at the end of the day, an agreement was made. It was relied upon. It was fundamentally unfair. I agree with all that language. Should the remedy have been what it was to bar any future prosecution? Not necessarily. I can disagree on that. But the the conviction overturned, tossed, vacated, discharged, yes, that had to happen. So in that sense, you have a little bit of justice in that we know that when these cases end up in court, that they will um, go through the process and the process will be true to our constitutional standards. We're not going to bend the constitution because we believe that someone is, listen, they didn't follow the constitution, but I really think he's guilty. So we got to do what we got to do here. No, we, we we want justices and judges to make rulings based on the law and apply the facts to the law and come to the same conclusion uh, regardless of of any other potential pressures that are out there so you know if you want to look at it half full if you believe justice was not served by this being overturned he did serve time uh, behind bars so he did do uh, more than two years in prison and was becoming eligible for uh, uh, parole so That being said, this is an ugly case, it's an aberration, and I don't think it will serve as much of a precedent for anything, because I don't think there'll ever be another case quite like this one. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for listening to this special edition of the Court TV podcast. We do it every week. In the meantime, you can watch Court TV every day. We are a television network. If you have a digital antenna, rescan it so you can find our signal. Uh, check out our show notes here. It's uh, lots of links to interesting articles and videos and clips, all related to everything we talk about on the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Vinny Politan. As always, have a great
0: week, and don't forget.